Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And we are here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Check us out on Believe.com, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Believe YouTube channel, TuneIn app, all those places, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. We definitely appreciate it. We are here. My name is Vinny Hardy. Got A.G. Aaron Gershon from The Cats Paws, the QB1, Jalen Whitlow. And we got a guest with us today who who laid the foundation and poured some concrete footers for what the big blue wall became. We got former UK O-lineman Max Godby in here with us this evening. What's up, Max? Man, first of all, that is a very, very, very gracious introduction <laughs> because I, f- I feel like Peyton Manning when he won that Super Bowl where he really didn't attribute that much but still got the credit. <laughs> I was so in I, I, when that game I, I, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Uh, talking before we recorded, married now, father, five years, got got a little one, working on moving, doing all this kind of real life stuff, man. But congratulations on all of that and, and happy anniversary and, and congrats on being a dad and all that good stuff, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's much different than college football, but you still kind of get those that game day feel just in sparing parts of your life. So fortunately, now my son decides that he wants to run through tackles and will hit me without any sort of hesitation. So it's like, well, I guess the PTSD of being on the field has started to kick back in again. Um, Jalen, man, glad you're here fighting through the, the internet outages down there in Georgia and, and all that. Glad to have you as always, too, man. Oh, man, always glad to be on here, man. Y'all know I love talking football. And uh, congrats, Max, on the uh, anniversary, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. We hope we would come on here not talking about two becoming three because one did become mm. two, but two did not become three as – the Cats bounce back and, and handle business against Ole Miss. Oh, nope, nope, Mississippi State, the other Mississippi school. <laughs> Should have been both. Yeah, yeah. The Starkville Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Lexington streak of dominance continues, 27-17. Um, Got to get y'all's thoughts. I'm going to just step back and, and you know, AG, you up in the box. Yeah. QB and the O-lineman here. And the second half – it, it, things kind of got rolling. That first half was was something else, but they turned oh it on God. the second half. Yeah, talk about one of the ugliest first halves of football both teams played. Man, I mean, I think 
Kentucky was penalized nine times. Mississippi State got penalized a fair share too, and obviously not much points on the board and um, just sloppy football, man. That whole first half was sloppy, but you got to love how Kentucky turned it on the second half. And really, um, I felt I felt like as soon as Will Levis started running out of the, that locker room after um, – as Mississippi State was kicking the extra point, the momentum completely shifted. It just felt like the stadium woke up. It, I mean, on that, I can tell you from being there, the drive that Mississippi State scored their t- only touchdown on, only offensive touchdown, man, it was – you could hear a pin drop in that stadium after Levis went down because, you know, with his draft stop, man, if it was a serious injury, great chance he's not playing again in a Kentucky uniform, you can't risk it. So when, you know, when he comes back out of that tunnel, man, it just felt like everything changed. And, you know, for the most part, a really clean two quarters defense, you got to give them all the credit in the world. And the offense had a, had a pretty great, I mean, Chris had a great day. I thought Will made some tough throws and uh, the offensive line had their best game of the season. So credit to them for uh, battling through all that adversity in the first half. Yeah. I felt like that was uh, just a true, Mark Stoops signature win, man. Um, at the end of the day, they ran the ball when Mississippi State knew the ball was going to be ran. They were still able to fall forward and get three, four, five, six uh, consistently. Um, obviously, Chris is, you know, a beast, but I think what the O line did when the team know you have to run the ball or know that you're going to run the ball, you can still drive the ball down the field. That's demoralizing to a defense. I mean, completely demoralizing. So, and then the defense just muddying it up, man. His again, I don't know what it is about Coach Stoops, but he makes great quarterbacks look not so great. They just yeah. muddy the game up. Teams that want to, you know, those air raid type teams, teams that want to, you know, be high volume when it comes to passing, they just muddy the game up. And I think. Lost Jay. We lost Jay. To get him back. He was rolling. <laughs> well, I oh, here he comes. Go ahead. Oh, I'm back in. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They just, you know, they took the quarterback out of the game, man. And it made it made it ugly for Mississippi State. That was big. Well, I would say, for one, the one thing that the offense did exceptionally well, even when they were playing bad in the first half, was sustaining drives. When you're playing against a Mississippi State, an Ole Miss, a Tennessee, when you're playing against these high-octane, air-raid, hurry-up offenses, the worst thing you can do to your defense is, as an offense, go three and out. Even though they weren't putting up points, even though they were – the, uh, the drives were stalling, they were still eight, nine, ten, ten play drives mm-hmm. and being able to control the ball. And that deflates those uh, that defa- deflates those air raid style offenses. Uh, and Brad White has shown time and time again that he can coach very well against these. And I think the one thing that the defense continues to do is they play very undoctrine like against these air raids usually you see a lot of drop eight you really just want to rush three guys you're going to put one heavy guy in and two uh two mid-sized guys to rush 
they kept alternating and bringing blitz packages, bringing four guys, bringing five guys, taking chances. And it really overwhelmed that Mississippi State offensive line. They were really struggling to to be able to stop some of these stunts that they were doing, the, the blitz pickup they weren't able to do. And then for the offensive line, which it's been such a struggle for them this year, whether that's been just getting the groove together, the lack of experience that's been on that line, is it a coaching issue of how they're being coached, how to do it? The one thing I saw is they took Mississippi State's aggressiveness and worked it against them and worked their momentum away from the ball, basically carrying them where they want to go. And Chris Rodriguez, with how patient of a runner he is, just waited for the flow of traffic and then be able to cut it to the outside, cut it to the opposite inside uh, inside hole, and just gutted them and gutted them. I think you're seeing an offensive line that's realized we may not be mature or physical enough to drive guys three yard, yards off the ball, but we're, we're small and smart enough to allow the defense to carry themselves out of the play. It's interesting that maybe the whole, the whole I don't know, perception, mindset, I don't know what word I'm trying to look for with that O-line. You've described them as being small with, and, and young with, with Jagger and, and some of these new guys. Do you, you think that's the way they're going to be for the next couple of years? You think another year or two in the weight room will get them some of that girth and, and strength or will they just have to play this way for a while? Man, I, I, I've been used. It seems like I've told this story probably 47 times going into <laughs> this year and going through the season. This, this is such a great, uh, great example of a player named John Toth, which we all know who John Toth was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen, I, during Stoops's first year, Jalen had a red shirt freshman, John Toth, who was originally a tackle. We were having issues of getting a center, um, able to snap the ball or guys getting injured. So they gave John Toth a try. And he started that game against Miami, Ohio. And guess what? Man, he sucked. He scored <laughs> the lowest out of everyone. He made mistake after mistake. He sent guys the wrong way. Everything. But Mark Stoops, Neil Brown, and John Schlarman made a commitment saying, if we invest in this young guy and get him get – him, uh, battle scars, get him used to the fire, uh, getting used to the bullets going across his head. And we're going to invest in having a center potentially on that offensive line as an anchor for four years. Well, guess what? By the time we were playing South Carolina at South Carolina, dude was a pro. Dude was a stud. It just took a few games for him to finally just get those bullets flying, playing against that talent to where he's barking out orders. He's able to dictate everything that's going on in the game. And he's even today still playing in the league, I think now with the Washington uh, Washington Commanders. Um, but you see guys like that. I think of Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson's another great example where you had Drake Jackson and a one-year Landon Young playing with each other. The, when you're asking for improvement on the offensive line or just any young position group, you can take it back to the 2015 uh, secondary that we had where we had a bunch of no-names like, Mike Edwards, Lonnie Johnson Jr., Chris Restry, guys that had never played before, but you allowed them to play with each other, have that adversity, allow them to make mistakes, and they were able to grow in 
to being great elite players. That's what Schlarman instilled in the big blue wall and that entire process of being able to play young guys and being able to take this as growing pains and down payments for years to come. I think it's going a little bit slower this year, but I think it's a lot because of coaching and offensive philosophy as well. I think that's played a factor in it, but I think those adjustments were made during this game. You've got some players that are not a put their hand in the dirt and being able to bulldoze a dude five yards off the ball. There's some offensive linemen that just aren't built to do that. They are great of maneuvering defensive uh, defensive linemen, taking them where they want, and taking them completely out of the play, which I think this is what this offensive line's built more for. I'm a I'm not gonna try to take over and ask, but I just want to jump in with this one. I think we talked about it before, Aaron and Jalen, but in Max, could it be? You know, I mean, this is the third O line coach in three years. Is that is that still maybe playing a role? You hear about quarterbacks all the time. You know, Jason Campbell. He had eight offensive coordinators in eight years in the NFL. And, you know, even Jerry Lorenzen moving and, and switching when he played. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe playing a role in what this O-line is kind of going through? I think I, it, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, th- I, I genuinely think it is. I think, and I mean this yep. in the most respectful way possible, I think until you have people that are out of that room that didn't have John Schlarman as a coach, I think that's going to that's gonna be an issue because – when you've got the, the one thing about offensive uh, offensive linemen, I mean they're loyal. If they've got an offensive line coach that loves them, which Schlarman loves his guys, I mean that's you don't forget that. It's it's one thing when you get you have a coach that got fired. Uh, Mike Summers was my offensive line coach from 2010 2012. Love Mike Summers. Still texting call Mike Summers, but I also understand that this is a business. He got fired. And so I was going to have a new offensive line coach. It's some, this is an experience that these that there's some players that never most players never have to go, and it's a massive ripple effect of you're replacing a guy who was a titan and a giant in that program. And I think the only way you truly are able to solidify, especially for Yenzer, to solidify himself as the offensive line coach is once he gets quote unquote his recruits in, his young guys in, that build that relationship and bond with him as the guys that Schlarman was coaching built uh, built with him, like that Drake Jackson, that Landon Young. And I, I mean that with the utmost respect because I that's, I love Mike Summers, but John Schlarman still was just a such a unique, amazing human being um, whose impact is made constantly still and I, I I think that plays a role in it. I think you're absolutely right in that. Man, Jalen, if we got you, let me get your thoughts too. And, and then yeah, was, the question. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I might as well strike what I'm hot. Um, yeah, you know, and I talked about Coach Slarman last week. Um, and again, I mean, Max kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, you just you can't replace a guy like that. It's impossible. Well, what you can do is, like he just said, kind of, you know, get more of more of your guys in there and you'll, you'll see that culture start to shift in the room. But I, I, you know, I still take it back to, and this is obviously not a slight to the coaches. They know what they're doing. Obviously, they're coaching in the NFL, coaching under one of the greatest coaches in the league, in my opinion. Um, 
But when you have a room like that, I think it pays to be um, a lot more simple in a way Mm -hmm. until you can kind of get the carpet underneath you. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, Obviously, they're not void of talent. I mean, anytime you can run the ball on the SEC team like they did, the talent is in the room. There's a lot of other factors, a lot of other intangibles, intangibles that gotta play fat and gotta play in uh, in unison when it comes to having a group like that. This, I mean, you can liken the offensive line group. The closest thing you can get to that is military. I mean, you got a bunch of guys with a commander. It's what it is, and you know the tightest group in sports. I'll say that. Um, it just takes time for those guys to really buy into that commander to do it the right way every single time, exactly how he wants it done. And to be able to do that as a coach, you get, it takes time to develop those relationships. I mean, you can't coach a guy hard until, you know, that guy knows that you actually love mm-hmm. him from a coach's standpoint. Um, and that's just what it is. And I'm not saying that that's a, that's a problem. Everybody goes through that as a first-year coach. Everybody does. But um, I think they obviously got some confidence going now, and it's going to be exciting to see what they can do against a good Tennessee uh, team coming up with a year, with a week to kind of rejuvenate and regen. Um, so that's going to be exciting to see. But I love what they did on, on Saturday. It was just straight bully ball, like I said. And, and it wasn't bully ball as in push the guy back 10 yards, like Matthew said. Sometimes just displacing guys, right, just washing them out of the way and let your NFL running back who, who – you know, obviously, Chris Rodriguez is that caliber guy. Let him kind of clean it up. So that's the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, it was like, like I said, a 100% Stoops, big blue wall win on Saturday in that second half. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. It felt like they got back to their identity uh, on Saturday. But, yeah, I just think, you know, from the offensive line, going back to that, I think the two things that kind of got overlooked this off season when, you know, you kind of broke that down is, and Vinny hit it off the top, the position group change. I mean, this is, this is obviously a third offense coordinator, third offensive line, but this was probably the biggest difference. I mean, obviously n- nothing taken away from Schlarman, but the big difference this off season is last year, you had a guy Eric Wolford. And this was what the players were telling us this spring who kind of was a big yeller. He wasn't necessarily a player's coach and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of rubbed guys off the wrong way, but you had a veteran group. So, you know, Luke Fortner, NFL guy, Darren Kennard, NFL guy, Darren Rosenthal signed an NFL contract. So they were able to put up with it. But, you know, for some of the younger guys who were learning behind them, they didn't get as much out of last year. Like Jeremy Flax was saying, you know, that his head was spinning uh, when we talked to him in the spring because he was observing and learning so much from Zach Yenzer that he didn't necessarily pick up from from Eric Wolford. So there was, I think, a lot that was kind of left on the bone last year as far as lessons learned. And obviously a lot of that comes with the experience too so as these guys gain reps they're getting better and i think two underrated parts of it is one you know eli cox was so good at guard i mean a mid-season all-american first year at center that's a as max was talking about with uh, with john top there that's a tough position to play in your first year so i think he's only going to get better you know we're seeing it slowly as this year gets on and he's going to get better next year uh at that position and then I, I do think just from what I've heard that they thought that they would get a lot more out of Kayanta Goodwin early. Uh, it hasn't exactly played out that way and that's okay. I mean, everyone develops at their own pace, uh, but they were expect, you know, five-star guy 
I mean, six nine. You look at him, and he's just humongous. Um, they thought that that he was kind of going to factor in and kind of steal that left tackle spot right away. It didn't play out that way, or right tackle spot that is, um, or left. I don't know exactly what they wanted him to play, but um, they thought he would be starting at one of the tackle slots, and it didn't work out that way, and that's fine. So they had to pivot. But you know, Flax has gotten a lot better as the year went on, and um, a lot of good reviews on how DeAndre Buford played in his absence on Saturday. So, yeah, I think it's trending in the right direction. It was always going to take time with this unit. And also, I, I definitely think uh, that they'll probably add through the transfer portal this year. I have a feeling that's going to be uh, a spot they hit. Like, a, they they know what they got out of Dare Rosenthal was huge. I think they want that again. And, Max, we, we, we can't have you on and not ask about – the flop from Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I saw that too. I was telling everyone. Everyone's like, "No, he got punched." I'm like, "No, nah, wait till the video comes out." Hey, man, that, that, that was my favorite part of the game, man. <laughs> Dude, if if there is ever if there is ever just a perfect representation of an off, offensive lineman's attitude, it was that. It, it was that right there. Um, I, abs- I absolutely loved Manning's flop. Um, I wish the flop was a thing when we were playing because I know Jalen, you know, for a fact, Zach West would have done it like every other play. Uh, Trevino, Trevino Woods would have done it. Uh, I think, oh, I yeah. think they would have made, made some good money, money doing that. I, I'm, I'm very tempted to go ahead. I think Kentucky branded already put out a in memoriam uh-huh. of yeah. Manny, Manny uh-huh. flopping. And I'm like, man, I really need to get this shirt. <laughs> Now, that was awesome, man. That, that was almost – that might have been better than Brandon Eccles in the bowl game a couple of years ago, and that was a pretty damn good one. Too. That, that was a good one. <laughs> Manning tweeted out – he quote tweeted Kentucky Brandon and said, thank you for the support, BBN, through this tough time. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the beauty of the NIL stuff. Funny. For sure, for sure. Funny. Man, Max, I don't know if it's just a little personal gripe that I have, and maybe I'm a little biased. And, and of course, this is you know Kentucky podcast. We all bleed blue, but when when Drake Jackson uh, got drafted to knock, he's he's too small. He's undersized. He's too small. That was that label was put on him, and and it's like he couldn't shake it. And then I want to say the that year, the Illinois center got drafted whenever before or after him. And he was like maybe a maybe an inch taller and not much heavier. I'm like, what are we talking about with these measurables to where this guy's getting raved about, but Drake is he's too small and he can't do it. I, I just never I could not understand that. So I mean, I, I don't either. Um and I'm not gonna act like I do because I remember going through my uh when you're a junior, you get invited you the people from the NFL show up to the facility and they actually go ahead and do your measurements. So like for me, I was like, well, I know I'm not going, but it'll be fun to experience. And so they go through and like do your measurements. They do Jalen, help me remember. They do like a mental, they do a mental test. It's a, yeah, it's I think a you whole take, slew of different things. Yeah, yeah, at least I did. I took the, uh, which, which test did you, you take? I forgot what it's called. The um, whatever test that is, you take. They go in there. They take your measurements. They they give you the test or whatnot. Um, and it's like a it's like a, a standardized yeah. Type of test. 
um, and you know all that stuff. So yeah, and then no, they do I'm like a verbal say. one, basically to figure out like if you're a serial killer, and they treat you like a serial killer. <laughs> um, but they'll they'll get peg they'll 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 start pegging on like one thing and start nagging about it, and it's like the greatest red flags ever. So when we played Missouri in 2012. I got my hand stuck in a Missouri player's face mask, tore ligaments in my finger, and that finger doesn't extend out. Well, that was all I heard for about like three hours at every single uh, every single station. It's what's wrong with your finger? I said, well, I, I tore ligaments in it. Why? I was like, because I got my hand in a face mask. Well, why would you stick in a face mask? Are you trying to punch him? It's like, dude, it, it's football. Like. <laughs> Did you ask, like, you know, I started snapping uh, with my left hand during the game? Like, how, how about how about something for that, though? And so it, it's weird how the NFL just scouts will pick up on one thing, and then all of a sudden that's their focus. It could have been. It wasn't as much his size. It could be that his his waist, instead of being a 42 waist, was a 42 and a half. They go, oh, well, based on the algorithm, and you look at this, this, and this, there's no way he's a viable quarterback, uh, viable quarterback or a center. So it's weird. It's weird stuff like that. And even like for Darian Kennard, Darian Kennard's draft status started falling because he uh, he was losing weight and he dro- right. he dropped down. He was still benching the same as he was at Kentucky, but because he lost weight, all of a sudden it became major red flags and made his draft status drop down to the third round. So I don't I don't know. Obviously, these scouts get paid a lot of money to do what they do, and they've got a really good percentage of being right. But again, I don't under I don't understand why though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's pretty random, and and then like you said, they just kind of fix that on something. It's just just weird. But that's my gripe. But I just had to ask you since you're on here. I don't know. It's just I'm just. I wish he would have gotten a chance because I still believe that if he was given the opportunity, he could have made a great career out of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Maybe he'd never been a starter, but he would have been a guy that would have been a utility offensive lineman, bounce between the guards and center. One hundred percent could have been that guy. Because we know what he brought to the table here, and it's like they didn't even take the time to get to know what he would have brought to whatever team gave him a legit look. Hmm. But hey, I'm I don't I'm not trying to talk the whole time, man. Aaron and Jalen, y'all get in here, y'all got. No, I think I think uh, I think that's a good, you know, just thinking about it. I think that's obviously his play, but and also being a center, you know, a center is like the CIA. If you the center, I mean, you the Central Intelligence Agency. I mean, you really are. It takes a lot, man. That's a unique position. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that really helped John Toth was. John Toth was is six foot four and three hundred oh, no, pounds was, or he was I don't six know six. Or he yeah, he, he was taught somewhere six four or six five. Yeah. You know, uh but the biggest thing was this guy had like zero fat on his body to be <laughs> yeah. that big. He, yeah. he was like extremely lean. And you know, he's like the prototypical, like if you want to build the office of lineman, he's like you build like a John Toth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, I remember freshman year he walked in. I was like, "Ain't no way, this dude." <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, "Like, yeah." He, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is crazy." I mean, we all seem freaks. Like he's just, you know, you don't see many offensive linemen just built like that. You know, you see a lot of big guys, uh, but he was like, 
you know, very little fat in his body. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously they equate that to being able to move, right? And he was a, you know, a, a, a essentially a four-year starter. Um, and a guy who, you know, started for a, a, a team who, you know, kind of nicknamed was the Big Blue Wall. Uh, so that that was that was big for him. You know, he kind of got a, a great first impression. But the dude was super intelligent, though. And I think yes. you, you almost have to be to play that position. Uh, they they super smart, man. And uh, I think people got to, you know, kind of do a deep dive. Everybody like to deep dive on a quarterback. I think people should deep dive on the center, like the, 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 the mental acuity it takes to play that position. Um, the level of focus it takes to, you know, sustain at that position, all the while blocking a zero tech who's probably uh, the biggest guy in the state, uh, you know, at the time. So, you know, it's a it's a hell of a position, man. And those guys, you know, uh, kudos to them, man. That's a, that's a, that's a beastful <laughs> position. Yeah, man. You want to talk about smarts? Just look at Luke Fortner. What do you have? Like a mechanical yeah. engineering degree? So, yeah, it's a that is a uh, you got to have brains at that position for sure. No, hundred percent, Max. Man, we a few weeks ago, uh, you know, talking about the offense and the struggles because you know the, we still believe the pieces are there, even though everybody hasn't been playing like we think they're capable of. You know, especially on offense and special teams. Um, the Ole Miss game, when um, was it? Flax went out yeah. right there, right before the should have been touchdown to Dan Key. Yeah, it got hurt my on that thing, play. Yeah, my thing is, you know, you got a new tackle coming in fresh. Should we roll Will out to the left? And if the answer is no, why? you know why not roll out does that help or hurt a new lineman coming in is it harder to block a rollout than just block straight up and and just why i mean because kai sharon rolled out a lot when he played in south carolina but we Uh haven't seen will roll out (laughs) any so what (laughs) i'll i'll say this um this at least this was neil brown's philosophy I played predominantly my career as a utility lineman. So if someone went down, I was the one that was run, uh, running in. I, I I had enough to where I wasn't going to screw everything up. Uh, I'd go in and basically be autopilot. Stop uh, selling yourself short, man. Give yourself more credit. <laughs> hey, but, he, de- he definitely selling himself short. <laughs> so I I, rem- I remember playing against Vanderbilt my junior year, and we were so depleted on the offensive line that that was my first game I went out and played tackle because Darian Miller got hurt that game. And they sent me out to tackle, and the first play is a is a, uh, a standard three-step uh, three pass, uh, three-step uh, three pass, and – I had a end that was probably about 240 pounds, but he was a speed demon. Neil, Neil didn't care. We went ahead and ran a pass with a fresh offensive lineman in there. And it's one thing to get thrown into a game because you're not really anticipating. You can't really get anxious about it. The adrenaline kind of kicks in to where, okay, I just got to do what I've been tra- trained to do at that point. And sometimes getting thrown in, uh, just thrown in cold, kind of helps out and kind of benefits you a little bit. Um, so I, 
So for me, you, you can't change up your offensive philosophy on the last drive of the game because you're expecting your offensive lineman not to perform. And unfortunately, he got pushed back on that uh, on that one play. But again, you can't change the whole philosophy because you have one guy going in there. You've got to have the expectation that he's practiced and he's been able to get himself prepared. Um, that way, when his number's called, he's going to be able to succeed. I, they they tried to chip the guy. I remember the play. They tried to chip him. Yeah, and uh, I, I've been around, and I've, I was a student assistant at Eastern. We had a great old line coach who's at UTEP now. He believed that he didn't believe in the chip. He actually believed that the chip kind of threw off the rhythm of the tackle uh, and, and can cause you to get beat. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 you know, coming from the NFL, they got a different philosophy, right? Sometimes you definitely got to chip some of those beasts uh, coming off the edge. So, you know, it, it, it's just all philosophy at the end of the day. You know, I mean, those they, they train those guys. They coach them up. 24-7 to be able to go out there and do a job, you know, on a single play. And they, you know, at, and again, at that point in the game, you got kind of got to do what you got to do. And, you know, they tried to chip him and it just didn't work out. Um, but I don't think if you go back, I don't think they'll change the call at all. Because at the end right. of the day, now, if you got a lot of young guys and you got especially a young quarterback, in my opinion, he was trying to move the pocket with Kaya just to get him some easy throws on the perimeter, kind of just get his confidence going um, in that, you know, but – you know, everybody's philosophy is different, man. Uh, my philosophy would have been to probably uh, put a tight end over there and chip or double uh, and, 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 you know, and see if that works. But, again, everybody's different. Uh, definitely sometimes being thrown into a game kind of cold. It's kind of like that, uh, you know, that overdrive of focus. You you know, you kind of end up getting the job done because there's no other way to go. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, it's all philosophy, man, in my opinion. So we have a bye week now, you know, coming off of this win against Mississippi State. You guys have been there and done it. Does the does the bye creep in? Do you do you feel yourself like, oh God, I can't wait to get this bye? <laughs> are you are you trying to get through the Mississippi State game or are they still thinking about, whoo, let's get through this last one on beat up the Dubai? Is it human nature to to start thinking about that stuff? How how does that whole how do y'all approach that? And how you think the guys are doing approaching it? Max, I'll let you go, man. Okay, I, it, it for for me the bye week is such a weird thing to discuss with um, with people that haven't played uh, haven't played at the college level, especially like diehard UK fans because Jalen and I got to live the dream of a lot of people, but you get into week six, week seven of playing at this level. And just how your body just starts hurting, you get to the point where you're dreading of like, hey, I I can't play right now. Like, I need some time just to reset. And I always appreciate the bye, bye week. I started getting really banged up my junior year. And just those little small little nagging injuries that you would have during – the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, I'm getting out of bed slow, or oh, my, my fingers are hurting, my knees kind of aching a little bit. Those progressively get worse and worse to where all of a sudden you're in the tra- uh, training room with Jim and Gabe, and you're like, wait, this has turned into this has turned into something. And it, it's a great week for one, letting the body rest, getting extra recovery time, two, 
getting back to kind of just the blocking and tackling of the game, just the the essentials of it. Uh, Jalen, for the amount of times that he would have to scramble out of the pocket because of a huge blitz pickup, and they've sent six when we only had five. Uh, when he's having to make a uh, when he's having to make a uh, play, just pull something out of the hat to uh, make it happen. He's really good at that. But during the past six weeks, maybe Jalen forgot of how he needs to turn his hips when he's throwing a uh, when he's throwing a post route or when he's setting up an RPO and how how to read it differently. It's an opportunity for him to get back into look uh, looking at that opportunity and being like, man, I completely forgot about that muscle memory and just working through it. For us as offensive linemen, just working on that first uh, step, that first J step, and really just mentally just working through it again. And, man, there's something about taking that that light practice on Friday and having that Saturday, Sunday off where you could just be a football fan again and get up and watch college game day. You're not having to watch it from a hotel. You're not eating hotel food on Saturday morning. You're not being stuffed with linguine for breakfast, lunch, <laughs> and snack before you're about ready to play, play in a game. You know, there's just something about just getting sit back and just be normal for a second and just re-energizes you for that second half of the season. Yeah, that's that's big. And I think, you know, for me, I, I probably think from more of a mental perspective, obviously those guys up front are, you know, I mean, they getting it in physically. Uh, for me, it was, it was big for me because I could kind of take a day or two, and that's really all you have at the end of the day. We say by week. You're just, I mean, that whole week, you know, you're doing something, whether it's treatment, practice a few days, watching film. But for me, it was like, okay, I get at least one day to kind of not pick up the iPad and watch film, to be honest <laughs> with you. Because, you, I mean, there's so much game planning that goes into it. There's so much uh, mental focus that you got to have to execute at this level at quarterback. You kind of need the mental break sometimes. Uh, so I think that was the big thing. But I think from a coach's perspective, even in high school, coaching high school ball, I think the big thing was kind of how do we give our guys a break and how do we make sure we're not uh, losing our edge? You know, because at the end of the day, depending on who you're coming off the bye week to play, and we know that Kentucky's playing arguably the best team huh. in the country coming off the bye week, yep. you got to figure out – you got to find that balance. There's a balance in there you got to find um, because at this level – and Stoop, you know, Stoop said it today, Wednesday and Thursday, we're focused on Tennessee. That's, you know, we get we get a, a few extra days to beat our rival at the end of the day. So we need to focus on Tennessee. We need to know Tennessee's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. We didn't know how they think. So as coaches and as players, you're really, you got to take those two days, dial in, and then get your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kind of relax a little bit. Even on Sunday, you're getting back to it. Um, so, you know, it's a fine line. I, I've been around coaches who handle it different. Uh, Coach Sanders kind of handled it different than Coach Brown. Coach Brown kind of handled it different than my coaches at Eastern. Um, so, you know, everybody kind of handles it a little bit different. But uh, the bye week is huge. Obviously, physically, you, ju you just need – playing an SEC, I mean, at the end of the day, is a, a bunch of extremely big, extremely fast human beings running to each other. Uh, so – you need you need you need a physical break. It's like being in a couple of car accidents a week. Uh, you know, you, you, you need a, you need a break. I mean, it is you need you need, it really you need is. a physical break from it. So, uh, you know, again, I, you know, shout. I, I mean, this conversation even made me want to text Gabe and Jim right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, 
I, I appreciate it, man. Because uh, you, I mean, you definitely need it. You know, it's 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 a big help. It's a big help. Absolutely, man. Ag, I know you get in here, man. Yeah, no, I just I was there today, obviously doing a press conference, and like Jalen said, the plan this week was kind of just a. I think. I don't know exactly what they were doing today. I think a lot of treatment, a lot of guys getting days off. Like Will wasn't there today. Chris Rodriguez getting the day and, you know, getting right. And then a couple padded practice and really, you know, a chance for some young guys that, you know, haven't played as much to maybe break through and show something there that maybe they can be part of the game plan. I know a guy that uh, he pointed out today was Kobe Albert, a young defensive back. And uh, I think we all know they could have all, (laughs) they're going to be all hands on deck in the secondary uh, for this one, a guy with a lot of speed back there. So never know how that can factor in. So yeah, just um, a chance to get the vets some reps. Oh, you know, if if you're gonna have extra an extra week uh, to watch any opponent get ready for any opponent mentally, man, uh, it's Tennessee the way they're rolling. And um, yeah, I think that given all the injuries this current team has, it it fell at a pretty good time this year. I think you should have Will uh, pretty close to 100. Uh, percent That's the expectation for for next week. You should have Tavion Robinson back, Jeremy Flax back. Uh, really the one guy I don't expect to be uh, back anytime soon is Jaquez Jones. So uh, they're in, they're in, they'll be in pretty good shape after this week, but man, oh man, do they have a, have a challenge to prepare for. And Stoops was talking last night or at, his, at the press conference of the call-in show about just trying to strike that balance yeah. of, of get time off, get rest, but the rhythm of the season is paused and then you got to ramp it back up and he's, he's, you know, looking at how to make sure the ramp up is, is, you know, good, but you still, you know, just trying to, trying to juggle all that. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more next week, but I, I feel like this is a game where obviously it's huge for Kentucky, but, and I'd love to get Max and Jalen's perspective on this. Isn't it like, obviously, you want to prove yourself you want to win but it's like a house money game right no no one's gonna this is the one game where uh, the way tennessee's going if kentucky loses it's not going to be about how kentucky lost it's about how good tennessee is it just kind of feels like a game where you could ruin a moment you can kind of become the talk of it but if it it just feels like a house money game and no one's ever gonna come out and say that but man it it just it, it feels like one of those games that are made for Mark Stoops that you just go in and kind of shock the world and fly under the radar. Yeah, man, this game is on, on Halloween weekend, man. And, uh, yep. you know, it's a, per- it's a perfect time to be spooky down in Knoxville. I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, again, you kind of hit the nail on the head, but I think you can kind of, you're going to feel the pressure on Tennessee. I think, um, Yeah. you know, being, being a team, everybody's yelling playoffs, SEC championship playoffs, SEC championship, you got a team that in Kentucky that get a, a week to rest. Uh, they come in, you know, they can keep their momentum going and kind of pick up where they left off. They get a week to rest. They get guys back or get guys healthier. Um, and you get a, a team in Tennessee coming off of a weaker oppo- opponent in UT Martin. So they may have some guys <laughs> rest in that game, you know. No but at the same time, you know, you're playing a weaker opponent. So you're practicing against yourself. Then you play a, a, an opponent that you're far more superior than. And then you got to turn around the next week and play a Kentucky team that's going to want to kill you because they haven't <laughs> had a chance to really beat you. Um, most of those guys haven't. So, you know, I think this is going to be uh, – I can't – I mean, I, I can't wait. 
you know, I, I can't wait to watch the game because I, I think it's going to be a chess match between Brad White and Josh Heupel. How in the hell do you stop that offense? That's the question. I mean, I mean, they, I mean, they, they ran by Alabama like Alabama was standing still. I mean, they did. So, um, how do you stop them? And I don't think Tennessee's defense is very good, personally. I think they're they 104th holes. in the country, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not that good. And they're 120th, and I think uh, defending the pass, I think yes. they're 120th in the country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Will Levis, a bunch of weapons at receiver. Offensive line is going to be a little bit more confident. Um, on again on Halloween, man. I hope it's a full one. I mean, why, why not just throw it all in there? Um, <laughs> you know, let's let's see what can happen, man. I think uh, it's going to be an exciting game. You know, uh, God willing, man. I'll be I'll be tuned in. I'll be there. So we'll see how that goes. For for me, more and more I look at this game, and the more and more I look at the different philosophies that each team has. I see Kentucky's offense having an advantage of doing something because no one else does it anymore. At least not in not in the SEC, not in predominantly any power fives, is that ability to control the ball and control the clock. And if this Tennessee team starts giving up, the second secondary's not good, as Jalen said. Um, they give up big plays. If you can start getting them to bite on play action and lull them to sleep, Will can have a great game doing this. But if you start having consistently at least, even if they don't all end up with touchdowns, but if you can at least start getting some eight to ten play drives each drive, all of a sudden them scoring 52 points in a game is highly unrealistic. Now you're playing into now you're playing into uh, Kentucky's strength at that point. And if you can give Brad White's defense rest and keep Hooker on the sideline, and all of a sudden that uh, UK defense starts coming in fresh to where they can pin their ears back, because I think they're going to go with the same philosophy as they did against Mississippi State. I don't think it's going to be drop eight every single time. I think Kentucky is going to try to take some risks and dial up some things and using. This, using the talent that you have at the stand-up end positions and Weaver and Wright and really have them cause some uh, cause some chaos and adding DeAndre Square to the mix and then also adding some corner blitz to it as well. I think you're going to see a lot of garbage get thrown at, uh, thrown at Tennessee in this game. And everything that y'all have said, you know, house money for Kentucky, pressure on Tennessee, you know, they're going to be the favorite. You know, Halloween weekend, and the following week, Tennessee plays Georgia. So they, they yeah. try not to look ahead a little old Kentucky coming in and not look ahead. I mean, you guys have played, and y'all one game at a time. All the coach speak, block out the noise. But it, will they? Would it be a, a little inkling of looking ahead of Kentucky and looking towards Georgia? What is, does that happen? I think it could be a little bit of that, man. I, I was watching something today, and everybody kept talking about Tennessee, Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia. I'm like, well, you got a good team in Lexington sitting there uh, that that want to hear about that, man. They want they want to they want to get a taste of that. So, again, can can Stoops work his magic again and muddy the game up? And like Max was saying, can they control the ball, keep Hyatt Hooker, 
keep those guys on the sideline. Allow allow Will and Chris Rogers to, in that offensive line to control the ball game. I think it's a great game. Also, I know he's coming off a little bit of nagging injury, but to quarterback run game may be a game changer this game, man. I really do believe that uh, Will, he has so much ability, and people are not talking about it. This guy is like – his completion percentage is extremely good right now. Um, and if you can couple that with a great run game with Chris and Jaton. And then you can take Will and just, you know, two or three times allow him to pull the ball out of the back door or allow him to, you know, tuck it and run it on some type of, you know, drop back or play action and scramble just to use his feet to move the offense and add that extra dimension to the offense. I think a weak Tennessee defense becomes even weaker Mm -hmm. uh, and even more vulnerable. So, again, I think it's going to be a huge game. I anticipate it being a very, very physical game. Uh, I anticipate it being, you know, a, a, a chilly night in Knoxville, man. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and probably, you know, if, if Kentucky can 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 control the ball, not turn the ball over, play very good on special teams, just allow the defense to get – to allow the defense to get a few stops. Get their rest and get a few stops. You're not going to shut down Tennessee, I don't think. But just just play good football and make them earn it. Um, I think I think it could be huge. So I'm I'm excited to see it, man. And what try to limit the quick strike? We well, last year they just yeah just hit Kentucky in the mouth. Boom! Quick drive, quick drive. Kentucky yeah. was scoring too, you know, methodically. But then they were just the pick six. The yeah. pick six yeah. killed them. That was the yeah. knockout blow, man. And they're you know this is a uh, Jalen was saying this is a big game for Will Levis. I mean, if he this is you look at Tennessee, they're they actually I was just pulled it up right now. They're tenth in the country against the run, so they're giving up only ninety three yards per game against the run. Against the pass, uh, one, uh, let's see, a total defense, like I said, was one hundred four. I'm going to pull up the pass real quick. Point is, man, you're going to have to air it out against this team. We've seen. Obviously, Bryce Young is special, but we saw what he was able to do. Uh, we've seen what um, Anthony Richardson was able to do through the air against some, like, I think, what was it, 432 yards? Uh, something like that, something crazy. So, and obviously, Kentucky shut that Richardson down. So, um, man, they're going to have to throw the ball. It's going to be huge if they can have Tavion Robinson back. And, you know, this is a game where you got to eliminate some of the drops. I mean, uh, the first three weeks of the season, drops really weren't a big issue. But we saw a couple balls go off Barry and Brown's fingertips against Ole Miss in South Carolina. We saw, you know, the drop by Rashawn Lewis on the screen pass, and he redeemed himself throughout the game. But the fumble and the screen pass, man, you can't turn the ball over against this team either. Uh, That's the other thing, because if you give them extra possessions, or God forbid you let their defense score a touchdown, I mean – you're just putting yourself in such a big hole, um, long possessions, just like they did really. I mean, it's going to be much harder, but if they could replicate the game plan they had against Mississippi state, which was they own the time of possession, they limited the amount of snaps that state was able to have. I mean, I forget exactly what it was, but Kentucky dominated the time of possession and kept Will Rogers off the field. Um, I think that's what uh, either Max or Jalen said, man, just keep Hendon hooker off the field as much as you can, because you know, you're going to have to get some stops, but at the end of the day, they're going to get theirs. It's just too good of offense, and I think an underrated part of it is Cedric Tillman's their best receiver, and he hasn't played since week three. Yes. So, you know, Jalen Hyatt had that historic game. He's not even their 
he's not even their best uh best receiver so um it's just crazy how much talent they've got they're gonna get their points but if you could score with them and win the time of possession and, and not turn the ball over i think you're at least going to be in the ball game and have a shot and that's all you could ask for in a game like this i think hyatt had i think four touchdowns in right. two years and the but he five. had five saturday so yeah school record and that's you know anytime you have a school record at a place like tennessee you gotta tip your cap to that yeah and Look, we're we're not in the business of, of tipping our cap to Tennessee for anything, but Max, I did see you. You, you have respect for Jeremiah Crawford, number <laughs> three, who 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 barfed in between plays <laughs> and was still like talking junk to the Alabama D line. So I I know you as a former O lineman, you have some respect for that, and you kind of tipped your cap to the Tennessee O lineman for for puking and and not missing a beat in the huddle. Yeah, I hate Tennessee with every, every fiber of my being. The only thing I hate more than Tennessee is Louisville. And I wish nothing but desolation and hardship for their, for their um, athletics, for their football program. I wish they never win a game. Having said that, <laughs> they are without doubt the number three best team in the country. You can even yes. make an argument that they're number two or number one. I'm man enough to admit that, and man. But when it comes to a former, uh, from a former offensive lineman to a current one, and just that lineman brotherhood, there's just something there. That's just some big intestinal fortitude energy that you're able to bring to the table that you throw up in front of your guy because you're running this fast-paced offense, and then you just go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> the bet. The best part was the deep forty-seven for Alabama. He stares. And then he looks at the uh, defensive end next to him and then just looks back, like completely <laughs> thrown off. Wow, that was awesome. So we, we apologize oh. to anybody that listens to this eating breakfast or lunch tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we apologize. But yeah. By the way, just to get back to that stat, by the way, Tennessee's pass defense is allowing 332 yards per game. That is third worst in the country. Oh, Only geez. Vanderbilt. And Ohio University are worse, so that's that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Three SEC teams in the bottom four of that, by the way: Arkansas, Tennessee, Vandy. That's something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's come back to bite Arkansas because they're they yeah three losses. Derailed. Yeah, yeah. So, but man, fellas, uh, this has been a whole lot of fun, man. Uh, glad to get you on here, Max, and. Chop it up with Jalen. Got to tell y'all real quick, though, uh, lots of rain watches. If you, you know, once you get moved, if you need to move, if you need to watch to see what time you got to finish moving by, check out lots of rain watches. They've been sponsoring this podcast forever. Dave and Ben got the great website, lotsofrain.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Accessories for men, women, the Atlas, the so many different styles. They got the chat set up on the site to pop in a question about a watch you're looking to purchase. They will answer you back right there. So you make an informed decision on the watch you're about to buy, telling you heard about them on the Believe in Kentucky podcast. So we definitely appreciate them. And you can also get this episode on a sea of blue. Jason Markham and everybody puts every episode of the podcast up on their site each and every week. And we definitely appreciate that as well. Max, man, you're still doing doing the post game show. Tell everybody where they can 
hear you and get your analysis of each and every Kentucky football game, just like the analysis you gave us over these past few minutes on this podcast. Yeah, I'm still doing the post-game show with Larry Glover on 590 AM WVOK or 97.3 FM WVOK. Uh, if you're outside of the Lexington area, you can get on www.wvlkam.com. Um, and then I'm usually on current uh, during the week with WVOK, either on the Larry Glover show or on the Jack Patty show, um, consistently with the Jack Patty show from 930 to 10 o'clock on, um, on Fridays. Hey, Larry's Larry's good people, man. That's a that's a legend. Very good people. Legend in the game, right there, man. Yes, he is. <laughs> it's, it's it's fun doing a post game show with them because we're so we're so different from one another. <laughs> it it feels like the true odd couple when we do the games. Good stuff, good stuff, and man, Jalen, the author, the QB coach, man, uh, the film junkie, got film on everybody. He tells us he he got everybody's film, and we appreciate <laughs> the knowledge you bring too, man. <laughs> Oh man, I, I love being on here, man. Again, I could do this every night if I could. So, uh, you know, I appreciate it, man. And uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, looking forward to uh, next week's show because uh, I'm gonna gather a lot of information on, you know, this matchup and uh, and, and and you know, it's gonna be an anticipated, you know, week to be honest with you. So, uh, looking forward to it, Max, man. Good to see you on here, man. So, hey, great uh, as always, man. Oh. Hopefully we can make this thing happen again. For sure, man. We'd love to get you back on here, Max. AG, man, you're doing your thing for the Cats Paws. Now, fellas, I'm going to say a bad word, but I know I know the basketball yearbook just came out. It on did. The Cats Paws. <laughs> and what other good stuff you got coming out on the on the site, Eric? No, I did. That, that was very exciting. We finally got that done, um, and it's out and ready to go. Um not much, just not much this week. Just, you know, one more presser tomorrow. We'll have some stuff uh, from what we gather from yesterday, uh, today from Stoops, and then tomorrow with the coordinators, and they're going to throw some players at us and then, you know, really just take some time to enjoy uh, the weekend uh, off to watch some football on my own uh, instead of uh, covering it. Well, obviously always watching, but uh, getting a chance to watch some of the other games and, uh, yeah, get ready to, for all the, all the media that, media work to do for the Tennessee game and uh, get ready to go down to Knoxville. So uh, it's an exciting time, but uh, I'm excited for the bye week as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody can recharge. So appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to this. Appreciate you, Max, Jalen, Aaron. Follow Max at oh my God, be 64 Jalen, Jake Whitlow underscore two. Aaron, a Gershaw 99. Follow me at Vinny Hardy. Follow this podcast at Believe in Kentucky, and we will holler at everybody next week. Rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And tell your friends to give to listen as well. We'll holler at y'all next week. Everybody take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.